Good morning, New Life. Welcome to our Sunday morning service. We are so glad that you're able to join us this morning. Thank you for inviting us into your home. Normally, we would be saying, hey, come to 28 Tracy Lane, join together with us. And yet now we have the opportunity for you to invite us into your home. And I think it's important for us to recognize that week after week. It's easy for us to tune in or to tune out. So thank you for intentionally tuning in this morning. And you don't have to, you choose to, and for that, uh, we're grateful. We are together. Uh, Each week, we have a significant community of people that are all tuning in together at the same time. And uh, it's just remarkable to see what's happening. We so much want to be with you in person, Uh, especially those of us who are the extroverts. We really want to see people face-to-face. And yet we can't at this time, and we want you to know that we do miss you. And we do hope and pray that we will get some good guidance from our governmental leaders and our health professionals on on what's best and when we can get back to uh, meeting in person, of course, doing so in a safe way. We do want you to know that uh, if you have any needs at this time, please do not hesitate to call the church office or to send an email. You can go to our website, newlifecollingwood.com, and you can find all the contact details there that you need. Uh, do um, you know? make sure that you are on board with us in our social media feeds, on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, if you could do us a favor and, and follow us, or subscribe, or like our posts, or share our posts, particularly on social media, when we are putting things out, it's so helpful if that gets shared. It's a very easy way that we can let people know what's available for them, and it's an easy way to invite people to also experience what's happening in this community. So it sounds a little bit like we've got a self-image problem, but could you please like us? Could you please share our stuff? If you're not following us, follow us. In our YouTube feed and our channel, please subscribe. And then anytime that we're putting out a new live feed or a new video, you'll get notified about that. And uh, we're grateful to have as many people already on board with us in this way. So at this point, I want to uh, invite you and encourage you, as we would normally be meeting, we would be uh, doing uh, acts of worship in a variety of ways. We'd be praying together, we would be uh, laughing together, we'd be learning together and, and uh, singing together. And at this point, we encourage you to give together, uh, just as a way of supporting the ministry. We have been experiencing, like many other charities, uh, the challenges of this time when people are losing income and uh, job security. And if you are able to give, we are so glad for that. Some of you might be doing even better than you ever have, and you can you could donate more. We recognize that some of you can't, and, uh, and it's a hardship that we want to experience and, and face together. So at this point, uh, you can give electronically. You can text to give. Go to the website, newlifecallingwood.com. Click on Give and it will explain the different ways you can. And we still can receive checks in the mail uh, and things like that. So thank you for your generosity. It is allowing us to do a lot of things. And at the end of our service this morning, I'm going to give an update on some of the things we've been able to accomplish so far uh, as a community of Christ followers in making a difference in our world and in our local region here. So kids, at this time, uh, I want to do a little teaching with you, and I'm going to ask you to 
get up and go find something heavy that you can hold with one hand. Maybe it's a big book. Maybe your mom or dad have a big potato in the kitchen uh, or, uh, or a watermelon. If you can't find anything, grab your brother or sister, try to lift them up. And actually, big people, you can participate in this too. So maybe it's a bit of a quick scavenger hunt. But find something heavy that you can hold in front of you. And I'll give you a moment to do that. And should be playing some type of a fancy Django while you're running around doing that. But I want to uh, walk us through a a life lesson with the heavy object that we find. Okay, so I'm going to show you what we're going to do. First, you're going to hold your hand up like this. You can put your fingers out. You can make a fist. uh, You can turn it this way, however you want to do that. And just see how long you can hold your arm up like this in front of you without any help. And again, you can imagine the the fun music in the background. And you might find we could stand here for a long time with you doing that. But now I want you to grab the heavy object that I asked you to get. Do you have it in your hand? Okay, I've got mine in my hand. Now let's lift them up together and hold them for as long as we can. This pen is way heavier than it looks. No, seriously, I've got something a little bit heavier. Okay, you ready? Let's hold up our, our weights. Oh, I found this in the garage. It doesn't get used that much. What does it say? 150 pounds. Oh, no, there's no zero. It just says 15. Hold it up for as long as you can. How long can you hold that book or that big potato or your brother or sister? Adults, whatever you're holding, how long can you hold it up? And down it comes. You can't hold it up any longer. Maybe some of you are stronger than me and you're holding it up still a lot longer. But eventually it's going to get heavy and you're not going to be able to hold it up. Okay, so we're going to do it one more time. But this time I want you to help one another. So if there's someone else in the house with you who can help, get them to get their hand in there so you can hold up that weight together. And what you'll find is you can hold that weight for a lot longer when somebody else is holding it up with you. Maybe if there's three or four of you, you're all holding up that weight together. And there's a lesson in that for us. Jesus taught us if we follow him, we love one another. And his earliest followers, they talked about things like serving one another, praying for one another, loving one another, bearing one another's burdens, lifting one another up. And when we have things that we're carrying that are bothering us, maybe you're having a bad day, maybe you're having a lot of bad days, trying to keep that to yourself so that you carry it all by yourself is never a healthy thing. We were never meant to carry all of those things by ourselves. And that's not just true for young people. That's true for all of us. And so the lesson we have today, especially in a time like this, when lots of people are feeling bad about what's happening in our world, we're all carrying some heavy weights. But when we take care of one another, when we love one another like Jesus loved us, It allows us to carry each other's burdens. It doesn't seem as heavy. And so lots of you are already carrying other people's burdens. You're doing things to encourage people. Some of you kids have been making cards to go with the meals that are going to be delivered to people. 
That's helping people carry their burdens. Some of you are praying for people that are going through difficult times. Some of you are helping in real ways. Maybe you're helping somebody financially. Maybe some of you are just making a phone call or having a Zoom call with somebody, one of your friends, so that you can help them to be happy. That's what it means to carry each other's burdens. And we can all pray for people who are going through difficult times. And that, too, is a way of carrying each other's burdens. So thanks for doing that. Don't keep your burdens to yourself. Let's carry them with each other. And we can carry them for a lot longer. Together we are stronger with Jesus in our midst. Well, we want to shift now to not only moving from this lesson, but to hearing another good news story. So starting next week, we're beginning a new series. It's called Good News for Tough Times, and it's all about what good news is, how we become the good news, and how we share that good news with people. And it's not maybe just what you've been thinking. There's going to be more to it than you might realize. And so we encourage you to, um, to be ready for that. And I'm going to hand it over to Christopher Rosevere now, and he's going to walk us through another good news story for us this week. Take it away, Christopher. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm here with Owen Hammond. Hey. And uh, we, we've got a pretty awesome little bit here for you. So, Owen, say hi. Hi, guys. And why don't you tell us a little bit about that, that thing, contraption that you're sitting beside? So this is uh, my 3D printer, and the past week or two or further back, I've been printing these face shields for lots of hospitals and other health teams that have been needing them. So it's been very interesting. So you've been making uh, health equipment just in your garage, is that right? Basically, in my basement, but yeah. In your basement, cool. Do you happen to have an example? of the masks that you've been making with you? I do. So this is what they look like. This is just our example one, but it, it, this part right here is 3D printed. This is like the base to it. And then this is the clear plastic sheet that is just a overhead projector, transparency sheet. So <laughs> That is so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad to know that overheads finally have a purpose again. Yep, That's they great. do. <laughs> So, Owen, what inspired you to do this? Um, I was kind of just inspired by my passion of 3D printing. And right now, it's just such a time where you don't have much to do, and helping someone is something that really would help you feel better about sitting around. <laughs> right, so rather than just sitting around in your house, you've actually taken your hobby and put it to use helping people yeah. in need. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Uh, so who specifically has it helped, would you say? Um, so Collingwood and Owen Sound Hospitals, uh, Bayhaven and Sunset Manor. So those are like elderly homes and Dr. Moran and Georgian Health medical teams. So quite a few. It sounds, sounds like quite a few indeed. It is. Do you, have, do you have a rough idea of how many masks you've printed just out of curiosity? Yeah, so we have now printed over 200, so finally cool. hit it. Yeah. That's quite a few. <laughs> so yeah. There it is. So that, that's 200 more masks uh, for people, healthcare professionals, or those who need them than, than there were before you started. So that's pretty cool. What would you say has been the reaction to you printing these things? 
Well, people really have been amazed. They've like they've said they've been more comfortable than real ones sometimes. Sometimes they say that they're just so thankful because we even were told by one of the doctors that they have to rent out their equipment now, which is terrible. So they were very thankful to have something to protect them while they're putting their lives at risk for us. So it was they're very thankful. So it's good. Wonderful. Uh, and how would you say um, you're sort of following Jesus' example when we look at everything that's around us and how you're helping? What might you say? Well, I'll probably just say that Jesus has always tried to help people and show good ways and show good examples. And I just was following him in a way just to help people and do something that people will be thankful for. And I'm sure they are. What would you say to encourage others uh, to use what they have to help others as well? What might you say? I'll probably just say like any passions that you have, I'm sure can make a difference. And the littlest things right now might be able to make a big difference. So, Yeah, every bit counts, I'd say. Every bit counts. Yeah. Well, Owen, I think this is so cool. Um, I'm personally so proud of you. I'm sure that God is quite proud of you as well for helping those in need. Uh, before we go, is there anything else that you would like to share with everybody before we sign up? Probably just thank you to everyone that supported me, all my family, friends, and all the teachers that have supported me from the past, just saying good job. And it's been very thankful along this journey. Well, there it is. Thank you so much for your time and for your creativity in meeting this need. I'm, I'm sure that, uh, well, I think, sure it's been fun, but I know that it's also been such a blessing to those who've been using these things to protect themselves. So thank you so much, Owen. Thanks, Chris. Well, good morning. Thanks, Paul, and thanks, Christopher, for sharing those things with us already this morning. So I think this might be a new life first today. I'm chatting with you here from my office at home down in the bottom southeast corner of Wasaga Beach. And I think this is probably the first time that a new life sermon has been delivered in Wasaga. So hello to all my Wasaga friends. I know we have a number of you that track with us. Well, a little disclaimer before we begin. My family has been pretty gracious with me, leaving lots of quiet time to get in front of cameras for different things that I'm doing here. Um, however, my cats are locked outside this door behind me, and if you know cats, they're not gracious at all. They basically own the place. So you may hear them protest at the door at some point during our talk this morning. Well, we're going to be diving into our new series, Good News for Tough Times, next week with Paul. But today, we want to spend a little bit of time talking about worry and prayer. Now, maybe just by a nod to someone you're sitting with at home or a quick yes in our chat window, let's be honest with one another for a moment. Have you felt more worried these last few weeks than you normally do? Well, I'm going to go first and answer that with a great big yes. Yes, I have. And since I'd already planned to talk on the subject of prayer today before all of this COVID-19 stuff happened, I thought it might be good for us to look at how prayer can help us in times of worry. 
And I'm going to blast through five key ideas here today. And we're really just going to kind of be skimming the surface of all of these. This could have easily been a, you know, a five sermon series, but I want to hit on all of these today, given what we're all coping with right now. Each of these five points that we're going to look at will come with its own prayer that you can put in what we're going to call our prayer toolkit to use right away this week. And those prayers are in the video description below, along with a link to the full sermon notes if you'd like to have those. Well, to help us start to get a sense of how prayer can help us with worry, let's first take a look at what worry is and maybe what it isn't. Well, the good old dictionary tells us that worry is that which disturbs our peace of mind, forcing us to give way to anxiety. And that's the kind of worry we want to stack up against prayer today. But there's another sense in which the term worry gets used that I don't think is quite so negative. And I want us to grab onto that before we move along today. Well, credit where credit is due. I sort of lifted the title for today's talk from this book written by a, a former pastor friend of mine. And in the book, he talks of being a, a deep thinker who kind of worried his way through his problems. And by that, he meant that he gave a lot of serious thought to any challenges that he would be facing. And we're going to call that kind of worry wisdom. And wisdom is something that we find spoken about often in Scripture. In fact, there's a whole category of writing in the Bible called wisdom literature. And for want of a better way to put this, that literary genre in the Bible encourages us to use the brains that God gave us. And if you want some quick snippets of that genre of writing, try reading through some of the Proverbs this week. Well, why do I bring up wisdom in a talk about worry and prayer? Oh, I do it because I think it's important for us to exercise wisdom alongside faith and prayer. You know, call me a radical if you wish, but I don't believe that God made a mistake when he gave us brains that were capable of discernment. Check out this story from 1 Kings chapter 3. This is part of the story of King Solomon. This is early on in the narrative of Solomon's time as king, and God appears to him in a dream and says that he'll give Solomon anything. Solomon's still young and inexperienced in his time as king, so what does he ask God for? Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Solomon asks for wisdom, but with a catch so that he can do right by other people. And, you know, God is pleased with this. Solomon has asked for the wisdom to be other-focused, to ensure that everyone's well-being is tended to, not just his own. And that's what, as Jesus people, we call kingdom thinking. And that's what God is all about. And just in case you thought that kind of asking was only for kings, check out these words in the book of James. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Different context, same idea, and just a really catchy reminder that we are taught to ask for wisdom. And that leads us to the first prayer that I want to put in our prayer toolkit this morning. Pray like Solomon. Ask God for kingdom wisdom that will allow you to see people and circumstances from God's perspective 
before acting. So yes, there is a role for the application of wisdom to our circumstances. But I really wanted to include this notion of wisdom in a talk about worry and prayer today for this reason. I'd like to suggest that sometimes the better part of wisdom as God's people is being able to discern where we're able to act wisely with the brains that God has given us. And when we really just have to look at the situation and say, nope, that right there, that is a God-sized problem. And here's what we mean by that. Have you ever found yourself in a difficult situation and your prayers about it have gone something like, God, what am I supposed to do about this? God, show me what to do. I've prayed those prayers a lot. And you know what I started hearing back from God when I learned to just slow down and listen for his voice? Steve, I got this. This problem is bigger than you. It's God-sized. Let me have it. And we see a situation a little bit like that in Numbers chapter 20. Moses and Aaron are leading God's people in the desert. And as we know, there's not a whole lot of water in the desert, is there? And people start to have a first-rate freakout that there's no water. They blame Moses and Aaron as though trying to conjure water in the middle of the desert was a Moses-sized problem. It's not until Moses and Aaron throw themselves down in kind of a desperate, wordless prayer that they're in a position to make room for God to come and do the God-sized thing, and boom, water. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are thrown into a prison. And I'll let you read that chapter on your own this week to dig into that backstory a little bit. But suffice it to say that the situation's grim. You might expect their prayers to be a little bit like I described my own in tough times. God, how are we going to get out of here? What are we going to do? I'd like to suggest that they had a bit of a better handle on the fact that the problem was God-sized. Because you know what they did? They prayed, and they praised God with songs. And there's an important lesson there for us. See, in our story in the book of Numbers, no one seems to recognize that God is the God of God-sized things until after the fact. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas seem to recognize it in advance, and they enter into a mode of praise. Well, Acts doesn't record the words of their prayers or their songs, but here are some words from a fairly new song that we've been learning at New Life that sort of captures the idea of how we can use praise to help us move from worry to bringing God into God-sized problems. Let praise be the song that conquers all anxiety. We sing your name in the dark, and it changes everything. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. And that brings us to the second prayer for your prayer toolkit today. Bring the God-sized stuff to God and praise him in advance for being big enough for it. And I'd like to invite you to join us on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock right here on our YouTube channel. This is exactly the purpose of our Wednesday evening worship and prayer time. It's just a little something to center ourselves on as we work on doing this.
bringing that God-sized stuff to God has absolutely transformed and revolutionized my prayer life because it's given me lots of cause to reflect on God's faithfulness. And that's the next area we want to focus on, just focusing our prayers on God's faithfulness as a way to combat our worry. And this is one of the reasons that the Old Testament just remains so valuable for us today. It contains so much of the story of God's faithfulness to his people. It reveals that faithfulness is simply a part of God's character. It's who he is. Remembering God's faithfulness to his people and to ourselves in the past can really help to reshape our prayers when we're worried. As an example, let's travel all the way back to near the very beginning of the Old Testament, to Genesis chapter 32. This is part of the story of two fellows named Jacob and Esau, and in a very brief nutshell, Jacob had done some seriously underhanded things to his brother Esau, and he had to run away and live somewhere else. Yep, Jacob benefited from God's blessing, had a family of his own, but then found himself in another situation where once again he just he had to leave. He decides he's going to have to go back home and try to patch things up with his brother. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis 32. And I want to read this prayer for you. This is Jacob's prayer from verses 9 to 12. Then Jacob prayed, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servants. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have two camps. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted." This is a model of prayer that we're going to call a a worry sandwich. The worry is in the middle of the prayer, surrounded by reminders of God's faithfulness. See, in verse 9, Jacob is speaking of covenant, the promises that God had made with Abraham and Abraham's descendants, of which Jacob was one. In verse 10, Jacob recognizes what God has done for him personally. God has been good. Verse 11, here's the worry. Jacob is afraid, and he's just honest with God about that. And in verse 12, the prayer finishes with remembrance of God's promises. And that's how we turn our prayers into a worry sandwich. And this is the third prayer that we want to put in your toolkit this morning. Bring your fears and worries to God, but surround them with reminders of his past faithfulness and his promises. Well, the next step that we want to take is to acknowledge a passage of scripture that can be a bit of an elephant in the room when it comes to the subject of worry. This is from the book of Philippians chapter 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that's a statement that we can tend to trip over a little bit. Don't be anxious about anything. 
This is where a quick look at the original Greek text can help us out a little bit. Um, the Greek for anxious here is to be troubled with cares in a way that implies a very kind of me-centric mindset. And being honest with you again, I feel most worried or troubled with cares when my own interests are at stake. You know, what if I get sick? What about the economy when this is all over? And, and you can fill in your own blanks here, I'm sure. And those are very natural thoughts for us all to have. But I don't want you to feel condemned by this passage of scripture at all for being anxious and worried. That, that's not the intent. The Apostle Paul who wrote this, he's not saying if you pray, you shouldn't have feelings of anxiousness or worry. See, what Paul's really saying is this. If you're feeling anxious or worried, pray. The key to this is what he says in verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. John 14, 27 tells us more about this peace of God. It's a peace that Jesus promises to us because of the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And Jesus says this isn't the kind of peace that we can find out in the world anywhere. The world does not offer this peace to us. But it's a special gift for those who have chosen to follow Jesus and know the presence of the Holy Spirit. And one of the keys to accessing this special kind of peace is prayer. Don't be anxious about anything when you are. Pray. And this brings us to the fourth prayer for our toolkit. Be honest with God about areas where self-interest is driving anxiety and worry. Pray that the Holy Spirit, which Jesus promises, will transform your worries into peace. And that leads me to another little commercial I'd like to give. Because we really believe in the value of cultivating this kind of prayer life, We've got a number of resources for you to be able to access to develop a prayer life that will help you to enjoy the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can join us each weekday morning at 8 a.m. on our Facebook page for some guided prayer to start your day, or you can head over to soulkitchen.live for some resources that you can use on your own just to go a little bit deeper with this stuff. Finally this morning, I want to spend a couple of minutes on one of the more challenging concepts regarding prayer. And it's this. We should pray during difficult or worrying times because it allows us to be part of the solution. Even beyond what we can contribute tangibly to things, we get to partner with God through our prayers. And I want to confess that this is the aspect of prayer that I feel like I understand the least. Now, I'm a deeply analytical person, which just means that I love to be able to turn a thing around, examine it from all of the angles to understand how it works. And this aspect of prayer really kind of defies that type of a process. By what mechanism does our expressing our thoughts and speaking our requests and feelings to God, how does that make a difference? Timothy Keller, who's a theologian who has written extensively on the subject of prayer, he puts it this way. It is part of God's goodness and appointment that he allows the world to be susceptible to our prayers. 
how he does this, how he maintains control of history, and yet still makes human prayer and action responsible within history, is one of the most practical mysteries of the Bible. Yet the Bible is full of stories that clearly show God hears and responds to the prayers of his people. We've looked at some of them already today. Solomon asked God for wisdom and it was given. Moses and Aaron asked for water and it was given. Jacob asked for help with his brother and help was given. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, the model that Jesus gave them, which we know today as the Lord's Prayer, included asking God for things. Give us this day our daily bread. Deliver us from evil. So does this mean that God gives me everything I ask for? No, and often this is because God loves us. I could tell you all kinds of stories of things I've asked God for that I thought I needed, which actually would have turned out not to be the best thing for me. So I'm incredibly thankful that God doesn't work like some kind of a vending machine that's activated by our prayer requests. But that also doesn't mean that I was wrong for bringing the requests to God. Well, to help us sort this out, and as with so many things, I think Jesus himself provides us the best example to look to. The Gospels record Jesus' prayer to his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane as the time of his crucifixion was nearing. And we can read of Jesus praying out of, out of, out of a sense of distress. You know, if, if you knew you were about to be crucified, what you would be feeling would be so far beyond worry that I don't think we have a proper word for this. And Jesus asks his father, if it's possible, can this please not happen to me? And I want you to let that thought settle for a moment. This is the absolute beauty of God's plan of redemption involving Jesus, his son, coming as a man and living the human experience. It leaves behind the example of Jesus wrestling with the same kind of human emotions that we wrestle with. Father, if it's possible, can this not happen to me? And Jesus' own example here shows us that it's not wrong to bring our worries and our requests to God. But Jesus' example also shows us how to properly release our requests to God. Jesus very famously says next, but not my will, yours. Basically, here's my natural human desire, what I'd love to see happen for me in this situation. God, can you do it for me? But I know that you know best. We release. Jesus teaches this in the Lord's Prayer as well. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And all of this places me squarely with the theologian Timothy Keller on this subject, how this works, this interplay between our prayers and God's will. It's a mystery. Keller says that in some sense, God is moved by our prayers within the scope of his will. And that's really my best understanding of this theological puzzle. And I take it as encouragement to keep praying to bring the worries and requests to God, but to also keep forming myself to better understand his kingdom principles and then maybe what his will might be. 
get a better grasp on what his character is. You know, maybe if you check back with me in another couple of decades, I'll have my mind a little better wrapped around that. You know, theologians and scholars have been wrestling with that since the dawn of the church. But this brings us to the final prayer for our toolkit today. Pray like Jesus. Here's my desire, but I also acknowledge God that you know best. Well, that's a really quick look at five things you can try in your prayer life this week as we all work to cope with the worry or anxiety we might be feeling during these times. If you'd like to dig a little deeper into any or all of these ideas, the scripture references are included in the sermon notes that you can download from the link in the video description below. There's also some devotional questions you can use to give further thought to the concepts that we've talked about today. Would you pray with me before we turn it back over to Paul? Father God, thank you that your ear is tuned to us, that you hear our prayers. Thank you for the wisdom you provide. Thank you for your loving care and provision when we're dealing with God-sized things in our lives. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for Jesus and how comforting it is for us to know that he's felt the feelings that we feel. Thank you for the promise and the gift of your Holy Spirit who is able to speak peace into our worry. I pray especially for the ones listening right now who feel like they've been overtaken by worry. I pray that the voice of your Spirit would cut through, would be a comforting guide on the journey out of worry and towards peace. We pray this all together in Jesus' name. Amen.